This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We hope during this show to uh, continue our um, series of descriptions of travel in Latin America. We heard from you a couple weeks back, dear listener, uh, saying that you thought the tales of adventure down in Colombia were interesting or hoping we'd do more of it. Well, we plan to do so today, hopefully with my two traveling companions in our second segment. Stay tuned for that. Let's begin this show as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date in question is the 6th of January. It was on January 6th in 1759 that George Washington married the wealthy widow Martha Dandridge Custis, who later became the first woman to be depicted on U.S. currency when she appeared on the $1 bill in 1886. Martha Washington was also the first woman to be depicted on a U.S. postage stamp, which was issued in 1902, a century after her death. On this date in 1919, another president, Theodore Roosevelt, our 26th president, died at Sagamore Hill as a state overlooking New York's Long Island Sound. T.R. was only 60. Sometime this year we're going to have to tell the tale of Teddy Roosevelt, along with some other historical favorites we've been meaning to get to, like Kemal Ataturk, but uh, not today. On January 6th in 1921, to help promote non-military aviation, the U.S. Navy ordered the sale of flying boat aircraft to commercial airlines. Pan Am subsequently flew China Clippers across the Pacific. In fact, 21 years later, in 1942, on the same day, January 6th, Pan Am's Pacific Clipper completed the first round-the-world trip by a commercial aircraft. On that very same day, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt announced the largest armaments production in U.S. history, 45,000 aircraft, 45,000 tanks, 20,000 anti-aircraft guns, and 8 million tons in new ships. That was in the first year of production. FDR said these figures will give the Japanese and Nazis a little idea of just what they accomplished. Such large-scale production was possible due to the number of women who had entered the factories to replace men who had gone to war. By the way, this past week, uh, the woman who uh, posed for that famous Rosie the Riveter World War II poster was talked about in a brief article. She only found out uh, decades later that she'd been one of the models that was used to make that poster, probably the most influential one, because the photographs of her looked just like the poster. And although it didn't happen on this date, uh, my eye caught an an entry in uh, the book, Today in History, which we use for uh, the source of most of these um, items we talk about. And I cannot resist mentioning that it was on the 9th of January in 1493 that uh, the Italian explorer Christopher Columbus thought he'd discovered mermaids in the New World. It turned out what Columbus had witnessed were manatees, which are frankly a far cry from the alluring creatures of mythology. Said Columbus, they're, quote, not half as beautiful as they are painted, unquote. Our quote of the day comes from Tina Brown, who's going to be the new editor-in-chief of Newsweek. Newsweek has become kind of a sorry rag in the past couple years, but Tina Brown said, This is just the dream, really, to have a magazine that is of such quality, of such legend, of such relevance in today's spinning vortex of a world that can actually bring sense, bring meaning, 
bring connection to all the splintered fragments that assail us every day and every minute. We uh, wish Tina Brown well in that endeavor because, you know, in our own small way, we're trying to do the same thing with this program. After observing a decline in Newsweek, however, we'd say that she's got her work cut out for her. And by the way, before we go one step further, we should give an attaboy to John Stewart and the good folks over at the Comedy Channel, who apparently shamed the Republican Party into voting in favor of a bill to aid the medical care of 911 responders. The mainstream media, as usual, was snoozing on this issue, and it took, uh, it took John Stewart to get people fired up and get this bill passed. And, you know, good on you, John. Our quip of the day comes from an article by Jerry Adler about the new National Museum of American Jewish History, which is opening in Philadelphia. Noted Mr. Adler, five years ago when the museum began planning a new $150 million building within sight of the Liberty Bell, which opened last uh, November 26th, he said it made sense to adopt, quote, freedom, unquote, as the theme, rather than say, comedians or delicatessen. Pretty funny article by Jerry Adler. He noted that visitors are expected to leave understanding that Jews really are just like other Americans, only funnier. Our quip of the day comes from an article in the National Enquirer, which was uh, hanging around the office I was working in last week. The article quoted Sidney Simpson, O.J.'s daughter, who said, Murderer or not, he's still my father, and he's the only parent I've got. I can't abandon him. Well, yes, Sidney, he is the only parent you've got. Because, well, you know. The article quoted a family friend as saying, Sidney still believes that her father murdered her mother, but she wants to make peace with him and tell him that she forgives him. I know, Mr. McMillan, we're not going to play an ah sound effect on this one. All right, we got some jokes of the day. They come from the Old Farmer's Almanac. Actually, this is last year's uh, issue. Quotes about dogs. The kind of thing you find in the Old Farmer's Almanac. And by the way, I'm a huge fan. I, I buy one every year. Not for the weather predictions, but for probably everything else. In fact, these quotes come from an all-star lineup of American humorists and writers, including Andy Rooney, who said the average dog is a nicer person than the average person. Said Dave Barry, you can say any foolish thing to a dog, and the dog will give you a look that says, wow, you're right, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> said comedian reader Rudner, I wonder if other dogs think that poodles are a member of a weird religious cult. Said writer Robert Heinlein, Women and cats will do as they please, and men and dogs should relax and get used to the idea. And we have two anonymous quotes. If your dog is fat, you aren't getting enough exercise. And my goal in life is to be as good a person as my dog already thinks I am. All right, our stat of the day is 27, as in 27 pounds. To prove that calorie intake alone determines weight loss, a nutritionist ate only junk food for two months. 
and lost 27 pounds. It's not a diet we can endorse, but the truth is, if you take in fewer calories than you burn, you will lose weight. doesn't matter what those calories are. Celery, grapefruit, or Hostess Twinkies. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week a week or two ago for the other woman. After a survey by AshleyMadison.com, a dating website for married people seeking affairs, found that men apparently spend twice as much on their mistresses during the holidays as they do on their wives. Ouch. On the other hand, it was a bad week last week for social networks and, and perhaps humanity in general. When it was revealed that Twitter-obsessed mother Rachel Ince from Leicester, England, apparently posted 190 tweets while she was giving birth. Among her tweets, Oh, I actually groaned during that contraction. Things are looking up. You know, we have to side with comedian Jack Gallagher on this one. If the company is called Twitter, why aren't the communications called Twits, as in Rachel from Leicester, England? And finally, it was an ugly week last week for the U.S. Treasury and maybe you and me when it was revealed that the latest version of the $100 bill, which came out last April, was promised to have security features, including a color-shifting image of a bell that would foil counterfeiters. But this bill's February 2011 rollout is apparently probably going to be postponed because an estimated 30% of the 1.1 billion bills printed so far, are flawed. Yes, Treasury officials are blaming a creasing problem in the printing process, which leaves sections of the bills unmarked. The Treasury is storing these C-notes in vaults in Texas and Washington, D.C., until it finds a mechanism to separate usable bills from duds. It's estimated that sorting all 1.1 billion bills by hand would take 20 to 30 years. Well, it's nice to know there's at least one job in the U.S. that has not yet been outsourced to China, isn't it? This is why in this program we frequently advocate low-tech solutions to problems. Let's snag a few items from around the world, starting with Botswana, a nation we talk about very seldom. In fact, I believe the only time Botswana has ever made this radio program was my description of the time I ate caterpillars there. But apparently the president of Botswana... Kama Ian Kama is regarded as Africa's highest profile bachelor, and his unwed status is a source of national concern. Apparently, Kama is not only the president, but he's also the main chief of the Bamangwato people, which is the largest ethnic group in the country. Their chiefs are required to marry. And apparently, the Botswanan press was pestering the president on this subject. So last week, he jokingly agreed to settle down. He told attendees at a political party meeting that he had no time to date, but that others were welcome to go out and find him a slim and beautiful wife. Said the president, I don't want one like this one, he said, pointing to a hefty assistant minister. She may fail to pass through the door, breaking furniture with her heavy weight. 
According to witnesses, the women at the meeting found this hilarious. But reportedly, the Botswanans are taking it seriously. Connors aides have reportedly begun looking for a, quote, tall, slender, and good-looking woman, unquote. Writing about this in the Daily Nation, a Kenyan publication, author Amika Mayaka Gekara said, uh, this may be a tall order since Botswana is a country where women are known for being heavily built. She also added it may be even harder to find a bride who can put up with Kama's wry sense of humor. Botswana, we should note, is one of Africa's few functioning democracies. And we're beginning to have some doubts about uh, functioning democracies in South America with the news that President Hugo Chavez asked the Venezuelan Congress last week to give him special powers to rule by decree for the next year. Chavez said he needed this near-dictatorial authority to rebuild roads quickly and bridges and entire towns that were destroyed in the devastating floods over the past month. He's apparently left 130,000 people homeless. Congress is overwhelmingly controlled by Chavez's party and uh, is willing to go along with this. Meanwhile, an investigation by Mexican newspaper La Razón revealed that the Chavez family has $137 million in bank accounts in the U.S. The president's family has a lifestyle that includes jewelry, cars, travel, and even weapons, in contrast to Chavez's anti-capitalist discourse, according to the paper. I've been reading about... Uh, People in The Economist, for example, that have been very critical of Chavez's rule for the past couple years, and uh, it looks as though they weren't fooling. The phrases democracy and uh, ruling by decree uh, really just don't go together. And speaking of politicians and what nincompoops they sometimes are, how about this item? In one of his last acts, or more properly non-acts before leaving office, New Mexico nincompoop governor Bill Richardson decided to refuse the pardon he was thinking about offering to Billy the Kid. Why is Bill Richardson an income poop, you may be asking? In addition to this Billy the Kid nonsense, there was the fact that in the 2004 election, Bill Richardson was very uninterested in the curious voting totals that came in from rural areas that showed that electronic voting machines just didn't seem to be tallying the votes for John Kerry. Why... Some Indians were driving into the reservation from miles and miles and miles away in their pickup, and they'd vote for local officials, but somehow just didn't cast a ballot for president, at least not in heavily Democratic areas. But I digress. Bill Richardson cited ambiguity surrounding the Pledge of a Pardon 130 years ago as the reason why he couldn't uh, let Billy the Kid off the hook. Apparently, the idiot question at hand was whether the New Mexico governor back in 1881, Lou Wallace, had promised Billy the Kid a pardon in return for testifying about a killing that Billy had witnessed. Richardson concluded that Governor Wallace did make such a deal, but it's uncertain why he did not keep his promise. Richardson said he could not pardon Billy the Kid given that ambiguity and the fact that he killed two other deputies when he escaped in April 1881 from the Lincoln County Jail where he was awaiting hanging for the killing of Sheriff William Brady. The proposed pardon had covered only the killing of Brady, but not the deaths of the deputies or any of his other killings. You know, I think nincompoop is <laughs> far too uh, lax a word to uh, affix to Governor Bill Richardson. Thankfully, now ex-Governor Bill Richardson. 
Richardson's successor, by the way, Governor Susanna Martinez, said she wouldn't even consider a pardon to Billy the Kid because state issues were more pressing. Gee, do you think? But uh, this disease isn't confined to Bill Richardson. Apparently, outgoing Florida Governor Charlie Crist was thinking about pardoning Jim Morrison on a 41-year-old indecent exposure charge. Earth to Governor Christ, Jim Morrison's dead. What do you hope to accomplish with such a maneuver? Of course, our own outgoing governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, decided to pardon the son of uh, former Assembly Speaker Fabian Nunez. I guess if you and your buddies decide to get drunk and take knives out and go stab people because you got turned away from a fraternity party, it really helps your cause later if your dad's an important politician. I think that's about all we'll say on that. In fact, let's, uh, let's lighten the mood a bit with some items from uh, the Humor Times, or at least one in particular. Apparently, police in New York last week said that an armed robber forgot to pull down his ski mask until after security cameras, a store clerk, and customers had already seen his face. Investigators said the video depicts the man entering Alba's grocery store in the city's Queensboro with two accomplices shortly before midnight. They said he did not pull down the ski mask until after he demanded cash from the worker. Let's take a couple minutes and, uh, and comment on some of the good work done by the, the people at the Sacramento Bee. They had a summary on the first of the year about new laws coming into effect for 2011. Senate Bill... 1449 reduces the crime of possession of an ounce of marijuana from a misdemeanor to an infraction. We have Mark Leno of San Francisco to thank for uh, authoring that bill. He also authored Senate Bill 1413, which requires school districts to provide access to free, fresh drinking water during mealtimes by July of this year. And it is sort of hard to believe that wasn't a requirement until now. How about Senate Bill 929? Bans the use of cadmium in children's jewelry by January 2012. Yeah, using toxic metals in jewelry? Yeah, we might want to make that illegal. Good idea. That was from Senator Fran Pavley, Democrat from Agora Hills. Assembly Bill 605, that allows free beer, wine, and liquor tastings inside large supermarkets and large liquor outlets. You have Assemblyman Anthony Portiano from La Cañada to thank for that one. Excuse me, sir, would you like to try Captain Morgan? Yes, it's quite a spicy rum, isn't it? Here's one I don't really fully understand, but according to Senate Bill 1072 from Senator Ron Calderon of Montebello, the state's horse racing board is going to issue licenses for exchange wagering, which allows bets to be placed on a racehorse to lose beginning of May of next year. (laughs) Did we need this kind of legislative reform? I don't know. Seems to open the door for some hanky-panky, doesn't it? Reminds me of the Rodney Dangerfield line. Oh, I should have bet on my horse to live. And finally, the most idiot choice among the selections that I, I picked, Senate Bill 944 from Senator George Runner of Lancaster designates a Ronald Reagan Day each February 6th as a day of special significance, not a holiday in which schools will be encouraged to conduct exercises honoring Reagan. Well, if I had a choice, I hope they'll pick King's Row and not Bedtime for Bonzo. Or maybe Mr. Gorbachev, 
tear down this wall as opposed to facts or stupid things. We also like the section they did in the B on some resolutions we'd like to see for the upcoming year. They're hoping the Sacramento City Council members would promise not to act like a pack of kindergartners. Good luck with that one. The B hoped that Southern California water users would resolve to spend less money blaming Sacramento's sewage for the Delta's problems and spend more of it trying to prevent our own raw sewage from fouling beaches during regular winter storms. That's one we can get behind. And one we can really get behind. Sacramento residents, we resolve not to use the term world-class city again. Ever. I especially hope that no one uses it in conjunction with the idea that unless a basketball team has a fancy schmancy arena in order that their Las Vegas billionaire casino operating owners can have a suitable venue to show off with. I mean, that particular concept of how to be a world-class city uh, needs to be flushed down the toilet. All right, let's take a short break. But before we do, I want to quote from Dave Barry. Someone gave me a calendar for Christmas of classic Dave Barry, and the entry for today is as follows. I remember when we got our first TV. Dad set it up, then climbed up onto our roof to try and aim the antenna at New York City. Then he yelled down to us, and we turned the on knob, and the tiny screen started to glow. And then we saw it, right in our living room. An incredible miracle. Static. Oh, sure, we'd heard static before. This was the first time we'd ever actually seen it. And this static was coming all the way from New York City. Dave Bear, we've never had him on, but we're going to keep trying. Maybe one of these days. Meantime, let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. If I can. 